just right oh you know what i'm just going to be big uh and as uh, so you can see who the guests are uh tonight we are it is no time to pie welcome to the fanboy planet podcast i am editor-in-chief derek mccaw and of course uh with me as always is uh is podcast producer hi i'm rick brett snyder and our special guest tonight because of course we've been with i i think literally this podcast has been like a year in the making more than couple, that, a couple of years. I would say a couple of years in the making. Uh, well, I, I think a year ago we said no, we're gonna do you. You know, we're, we saw the trailer. It's okay. Or two years. Ago, you're right. Damn it, it's been two years. So anyway, two years. Yourself. So my name's Pizarro, Sal Pizarro, yes. uh, with the Mercury News, and I'm our our resident James Bond fan and expert. I think, although, you know, I I think both of you can give me a good run for my money. Uh, and I'm thrilled uh, to be back here. No, I, I defer. I, I feel like in the last um, few months, I've been I, I've been humbled by a lot of meeting a lot of people that that um, are much more laser focused on things. Once you've, you know, I've met Douglas Woke, who has read every Marvel comic ever written up to 2017. I don't have that kind of time. That's and you, that's a commitment. <laughs> and you've watched all the Bond films at least once. Uh, you know, at least twice, and you only watch twice, and 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 uh, you know, I, or three times, and it goes forth. Maybe if we do a special, if there's a reason to do a Rocky Horror Picture Show episode, I might be able to reclaim some kind of dignity, which Guys, is weird. We'll be wearing fishnets and a and a garter, but you know, that's all right. Anyway, it, uh, it's before we, it's not a competition. Together, no, we are no. an unbeatable force of information about James Bond. That's right, that, and that's all right. Yes. So before we get into that, of course, I do want to say that uh, if you are watching this live, you can, uh, you know, please type in comments and, uh, and we will see them and, and, and may display them. And uh, if you are watching this after the fact, as um, there were some comments last week from, I'm going to say it, Michelle Saman, in which he was asking, is this live? And he was commenting along as he was watching it. Yeah, eventually we see it and I'll try to respond to that. But uh, if you're here now, do. And if you want to comment after the fact, you can write in if you've got any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, and follow us on Facebook, as you may be watching this on Facebook now, uh, at Fanboy Planet. And so, you know, let's uh, let's get into it. Uh, Sal, it was about two months oh. ago. Oh, go ahead, Rick. Yes. I think we need, because it's been a while since the picture, the film's come out, we need to establish our our status on spoilers, and I'd like I have a yes. proposition, and that is that we do at least I don't twenty minutes proposition by you. No, I, I I I have a proposition that we do 
15, 20 minutes, spoiler free. And then we open it up to all the spoilers we really want to talk about. Oh, no, I, I'm fine with that. However, I would say not only has it been out for a while, and by the way, if you're wondering what it is, we are talking about James Bond, No Time to Die, but that not only has it been out, it is out, has been out on home video uh, for a week. So at least digital streaming. Right. So that's that's why it is kind of overdue because about two months ago, if that's how long it was when it re- first reached the theater, uh, uh, a half ago, six weeks about ago. Six weeks. Yeah. Because we're at a 45-day window now. That's what's going on, right? Well, it, they had a 31-day window for this for this movie. Okay. But you and I, Sal, yes. met in Hollywood in a clandestine little hideaway known as the Scum and Villainy Cantina. That's right. And uh, it was for Sal's birthday. And, I mean, that's what not why I was there. It was just, it just happened to be that's why Sal was there. You were there because you live there. <laughs> I know. I know. But... Uh, but we, we met at the Scum and Villainy Cantina, and you had already seen a press screening of it. And right. so we were talking a little bit about it, very spoiler-free. And then it had turned out that when you were down there, two days after we met was when Daniel Craig was, did he get his star? He got his star in the Hollywood uh, Walk of, Walk of, Fame. of yep. Fame. And got to put his handprints and footprints at the Grauman's Chinese, or the man's Chinese. I, I'm old school. I will always say Grauman's. I know I'm wrong. Uh, it's actually, it's I, I don't even think it, I don't even think it's man's anymore. I think it's like the TCL no. Chinese. They call it the TCL Chinese Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and so as it turned out, I was down there for another event and you know watched all the fufara afterwards and was texting. It was like a spy movie as I was texting you from the parking garage, like, "Oh my God, is it clear? Can I get through? Is there? <laughs> do we have to? We're running interference." And and Sal was knocked unconscious by the stampede. It but was, you did. Uh, you actually got to see this event. Right. We got to see the event. Uh, my kids got to, to be there. Uh, my son, Alex, is 10 years old, so he was right up against sort of like the barrier for the public. And he swears Daniel Craig looked him right in the face. And I believe it because, you know, I had the only two children there. And I think, you know, that they were pretty noticeable. Uh, photographers were taking the pictures of him, but I didn't notice anything online the next day. But it was a really uh, festive thing. Daniel Craig was wearing this uh really nice blue suit. He'd just come from uh, the Jimmy Kimmel show. And, and it was, it really uh, laid to waste any of those thoughts that he hates being James Bond. And a lot of that came out after Spectre when he said the, the I'll slip my wrist comment and stuff. He was really enjoying himself in this role. So it was great to see that great to be part of it. Uh, the uh, Rami Malik, who plays the villain in no time to die. He was there and said very nice things. Uh, and I found out later that George Lazenby was there. Uh, and there's two sides where the public can be. And we were on the opposite side of George. So if we just chosen differently, I could have been standing next to uh, James Bond himself. Yeah, I mean, that's the Mon question. Her I mean, I hate to say it because I, I do love him in on Her Majesty's Service, but was he standing with the public on the side of the gate you were on? Or? He was standing with the public on the other side. He was not inside the gates. Uh, I don't believe uh, the folks from Eon knew he was going to be there. Which so. is tragic. I don't think it's a spoiler to say, especially at this point, that No Time to Die echoes a lot from Under Majesty's Secret Service and owes so much to that, as well as we, as you and I were joking about you only live twice. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that 
so it's that that is that is sad i mean i i, I would like them to have acknowledged him more i mean i know he's around and, and uh just to, as a side note you can see i don't even remember that there was that children's fan film of james bond parody that we've got on fanboy planet uh the george lazenby actually they the that middle school teacher or elementary school teacher just called George Lazenby's agent and said, could we get a cameo? And George Lazenby did like five seconds in this kid's movie that, that has been winning fan film awards all over. So he clearly loves, even as, as he admits, like sort of bobbled the, the fame at the time. He loves his place in that legacy. And, and certainly and last, you know, that is about legacy. Yep. And, let, you know, last year he also had that becoming Bond uh, sort of documentary slash so it had a lot of recreations in it. Uh, and I, I finally got to watch that during the pandemic. And, and you know, it's it's a fascinating look. It's obviously George's uh, take on things. Uh, but if you're a Bond fan, it's really worth watching to, to sort of see him and talk about it. And he knows. He, he kind of messed it up. Uh, not I mean, I think he was in a very good film. Uh, you know, he was not a, an actor when he got into that movie. I think he was more of an actor when he came out of it, but he acknowledges that he messed up in not keeping that role and that he, uh, he just mistimed it. So it's, but it's good to see him getting some recognition now, especially with this movie. And a lot of people are talking about the movie that he was in. And I think some of them are probably rediscovering it or discovering it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and before we go into the film itself, uh, this is the, as you were telling me, that this was the second time that you'd had an opportunity to see a Bond up close, right? Way back when, a young um, callow Sal Pizarro in San Francisco? Uh, no, I missed that opportunity. Uh, right. I, the quick version of that story is A View to a Kill. I live in San Jose, and A View to a Kill was shot uh, on location in San Francisco, when I was in middle school, uh, I was not very film savvy at the time. I did not realize we could just go up an hour or so and, and watch some of these things happening. Uh, and so I missed the chance to see Roger Moore. As it turns out, a friend of mine, uh, went. To, they had an event at Bay Meadows Racetrack that, again, I was totally unaware of. This friend was there. He got a autograph from Roger Moore to me, not even for himself, to oh, me, knowing I was a Bond fan. That is the best friend ever. And, and gave it to me. And I was going through some old school stuff recently, and I found it. And I couldn't believe it. And I looked, and I said, no, this was really it. This was Roger. And it, I didn't remember that it said to Sal, but it did. Um, and I hope he got one for himself, too. You know, that's someone I haven't seen since seventh or eighth grade. So, oh, I was going to say, so let's call about uh, where is that friend now, Sal, uh, you know, who was you know, that? I, I, his name was uh, Kevin Taylor. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I lost touch with him uh, after, certainly after high school. So, but uh, I'm really glad to that he did that for me. I don't think at the time when he gave it to me, I believed him. Uh, so I probably, <laughs> I was probably quite incredulous and I feel bad for that now. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's... It, it's like, wait, you got Roger Moore's autograph, how? And then, you know, later I pieced it all together. So there you go. Uh, so you've seen the movie at least twice. 
Me? Because you, you, yeah, you've seen No Time to Die twice, um, not three times. I've seen it five times, actually. Okay. Wow. <laughs> okay. But that's see, there you go. That's fandom. I don't yeah. have, you know, that, that we we enjoy it. So you know, your take. I mean, obviously, because even when you're a diehard fan of a franchise and you say I've seen it five times, there could have been a silent only because I was disgusted by this film. I only saw it five times. <laughs> um, so my my take is that uh, I really like this movie, uh, and that's partly evidenced by the the fact that I've seen it five times. Usually. Uh, that involves me wanting to see it at certain theaters and certain formats uh, because those go away and all we're left with is video. And But I I really liked it. I think it's a great way for Daniel Craig to end his run of movies. Uh, and I found it to be uh, just more emotional than I expected it to be, uh, knowing that it was going to be his last film. Uh, as a Bond fan, I think a lot of people... Uh, are going to say it, it's a divisive movie because of some of the plot points that we'll get into later. Uh, but I think if you go into it, knowing that it's Daniel Craig's last movie, you can enjoy the ride. And I think as a, as a general movie overall, I think it's incredibly well made. Uh, Carrie Fukunaga did an incredible job with the direction. It's a beautiful film cinematography wise. I was worried about the music from Hans Zimmer. Uh, and really a lot of Steve Mazzaro, I think, uh, contributed to the score. I thought the music worked so well uh, with the action, uh, with the quieter scenes. And there's a few just really exciting scenes that I think we'll be able to talk about later that, you know, you could put them in, up against any sequence in a Bond movie, you know, whether it's Sean Connery, R Roger Moore, or Pierce Brosnan. And you'll say, yeah, this is one of the best sequences you're ever going to get in a Bond movie. So, and we have some new faces in this movie that uh, I thought were really uh, well handled. And, you know, well, yeah, just... you know, I, I think we've talked about Bond films in the past, obviously. I mean, that's not the only thing we all have in common, but, but it certainly was a, a thing where we've had you talk, talk about it, like when this film was first announced and the trailer first came out. But I think after seeing it and again not really a spoiler Anna de Armas's character is like like way back when when Halle Berry was was it jazz was that the name of, of her character Jinx um, Jinx that's right yeah that that you could easily see I mean my frustration with the with the broccoli family or the broccoli I believe they they like to say it uh the broccoli family is, I think they say broccoli. Do they? Or, okay, that they yeah. that they um, do not seem interested in building out uh, a fran a, a universe franchise, and not that I'm a big fan necessarily of everything has to be a universe. But in this case, you could have uh, you could have had Jinx be a be have a solo film. You could right. have you could have Ana de Armas's character be uh, be a solo film. Um, because obviously she's also very much a rising star, but I thought her that sequence was just beautiful from start to finish. I mean, I just love that that whole that whole piece. But um, and, and then the I, I apologize that I am blanking on the other 007. I mean, but she was strong. Lashana Lynch, yeah, yeah. Lashana Lynch, Lynch. Lynch. Thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. yeah. So you know, I, I mean, I think the 
they tried branching out a little 30 years ago with James Bond Jr., the uh, animated the books. series. There's an anime, oh, no, not the, not the young Bond books, which are very good. Uh, yeah. but the, there was an animated series in right. uh, yes, uh, one, of, uh, one of my good friends from uh, childhood is a voice on that. Um, and, yes. and I don't, I don't think they found that to be a good experience. Uh, well, but it was also not a good series. No, it wasn't. And I, so I think that they, I think what they came away from with that was we know how to do this one thing. Let's just keep doing this one thing that we do well and not try to do these other things. Now, that's not talking about, because there's obviously right now a lot of Bond comics out. Uh, you know, there's more Bond uh, novels coming out, and there's going to be another Bond game coming out in the next year or two. Uh, but that's not Eon Productions. That's not the Broccoli family. Now, Who's writing think, the novel? Uh, Anthony Horowitz is writing a third novel that's going to wow. be out in May. Okay. Uh, and then there was just announced uh, a woman... Well, I feel badly that I, I'm blanking on her name, uh, was just announced she's going to be writing a trio of novels about other double O agents. Uh, and the premise is James Bond is missing and these other double O agents have to do something that may or may not be related to his disappearance. Uh, and so, so that's sort of expanding the universe in that direction. But that's through Ian Fleming Publications, which is... Right which handles all the book rights. And they're the ones who've been pushing the comics and pushing a lot of the other uh, well, that's what we say. In, in written form, they have an understanding that there's a world right. that they can build out and flesh out. And it sounds like this, this tr trilogy is not that far off, like from what the Edgar Rice Burroughs universe is doing with swords across eternity. Like we've got all these other characters. We'll tie it all up eventually in search of another, but you know, that'll get, get people in. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, comics it, wise, they had a Felix Leiter series that I thought was a very yeah. good. Did you and, read, did you read the, uh, Agent, uh, James Spectre? Agent of Spectre? I have not, you know, oh. I, I don't know if that's in collected form yet, but I was, I was waiting for it. Uh, uh, I, uh, our, our mutual friend, Neil at, at hijinks, yeah. uh, was not carrying that. And, uh, by the time I realized it, I didn't want him to have to order them all for me. He says, I'll just wait for a collection. There we go. Uh, so it's really good. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that then. Yeah. Uh, Cause I've really enjoyed, uh, you know, the, the approach the comics have taken has been to modernize bond, but not in a really, uh, garish way. It's been, it's the been storytelling is right up there story. with the hard case comics that are coming out that are very mature, very, they they respect the intelligence of the reader, and uh, it's been missing in a lot of comics uh, and adaptations of that sort for a while. So, so but but Derek, what do you think of the movie? I, you know, this is one of those cases because I think we've been talking long enough. I can say maybe get a little spoiler. Is for years I have said that one of the problems with American culture is we don't tell the true hero arc right you know we we it's always based on and certainly this entire podcast or why uh, the form that we've that we've gathered around to be to be common point of interest comics are by nature serial and constantly going on but that's not what happens in actual myths and legends and and true stories uh, you know that 
they have to have an end. And that ending was spoiled for me um, by- uh, Was it me? No, it, it actually was not you. And I'm, I, I, no, it was some, it was some guy that was a, an online commentator who was ticked, just like, uh, you know, on Eternals, um, not to give this one, but, but a variety reporter came out of the world premiere of that and tweeted out a surprise uh, from, from the film and uh, has apparently been put on notice by Disney, so I'm grateful. But back to, back to the point is that this, it took me a while to decide, which then is good. This becomes a James Bond film. Same reason that I, that I really loved On Her Majesty's Secret Service when I first saw it, which was late in the game. I went through all the moors. Then I was in college and was like, okay, I'm going to rent this one and finally watch this one. And that it's a film. It's not just a movie. This is one that's got, it's going to stick to your ribs. It finishes it. But I also felt it was kind of like, I'd be careful what I wish for, because my gut reaction was to, was to be upset at the way this film ended, because that's not the James Bond that I want. But they gave me the one that I've said that I've wanted for, for forever, um, that it echoed so heavily others, just which is like what happened in the last one that Pierce Brosnan was in. Uh, and I, I lose track of, of what the, these many titles with die in them uh, you know, I know everybody has to do a die or a kill. The yeah. Die Hard movie was fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought that Roger Moore was a little out of place in Die Hard too, yeah. but it was there. Uh, you know, so it it uh, you know there were things that I just have like I said that whole sequence in in Cuba with with Spectre, even though there's a silliness to like. That it was almost like they were almost willing to embrace the goofiness. Oh, of that is such a Roger Moore, Moore scene. <laughs> yeah, but but even the plot, like you're going to go to a birthday party for Blofeld, and all of Spectre is gathered there. And by the way, a uh, total understanding of why they could not release this until it felt like the pandemic was almost over. When the great <laughs> plot is to reveal is to spread a virus across the world that targets. Specific people, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, that, that one would not yeah. have flown. Somebody might have learned something from that, you know? I don't think so. I know. Yeah, I'm not, I, that, that it, has nothing to do with any humanity I seem to be familiar with right now. So. That part, that part for me, and in fact, it wasn't done for laughs, but it reminded me a lot of Kingsman. Yeah. The, the sequence when all the, all the bad guys were dying off. And I, that's the part I, that ruins Kingsman for me. So yeah, no, I can see. It. I mean, you know, Kingsman is a little more tongue in cheek. Like I can't, yeah. I can hardly wait for but that one. For it's tongue in cheek, and this is tongue pushing through the cheek into the next person's mouth. But you I, know? Was, I, I was okay with that. I felt I I was annoyed that Felix Leiter was killed off because I think like Felix always gets. Are we are stuff. we in spoiler territory now? We are definitely in spoiler territory. Few minutes into this podcast, okay. Sal. I think okay, but I, I yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, that, uh, but as it the echoes, like, you know, I, I, I messaged to Sal after I saw it, like when I saw it, I said, like, it, it wears you, the, the plot of You Only Live Twice, the book mm-hmm. on its sleeve so much that down to the, to the final fight involves uh, shattering a hand. So Dr. Shatterhand is echoed, you know, but the island of poison 
And, you know, and I'm just like, okay. But the reality is, and I struggle with this as a fan of a franchise, is they aren't trying to get, they've got you, they've got me. They're trying to get the modern audience in. And they they said like the the, um, ticket sales were a little down because this the, the main audience for a Bond film, sorry, Sal, tends to be over 40. Um, you know, over 40, is that? over 40, and, 40. and we're a little bit over 40, just cool. a tad. Yeah, a guy last night told me, uh, 60 is the new 20, so I'm gonna go with that. Um, so how old was he? Uh, <laughs> uh, 16 by that math, as am I, <laughs> uh, my age, and uh, so you know, welcome, Rick. Next year, you can legally drink, and uh, you know, so be excited, yeah. Raise it up, raise it up. I know we've all got them, you know. Anyway, uh, but you know, they said said that the, the one reason it did not do as well in the box office as they had hoped it would was because they think that's the audience that is has not yet really wanted to go back to the theater. And I don't know if that's true or not, um, but I mean, you know, that's the goal. They're not making these movies for those of us who are uh, approaching twenty. They are making those uh, the movie. This movie is for people that are in their twenties and are gonna, you know, go back again and again. So, you know, which it, I, I, that gets to that gets to one of my problems with it because I thought the first two thirds of the movie were like the the perfect tone for a modern audience James Bond movie. I think the movie actually slows down once they get to Blofeld's hideaway. And, and it's almost like... Pardon me, right, yes. Blofeld stays in prison. Yes, sorry. Uh, he, for a long time. For um, a long time. Uh, I was trying to think of, of Malik's prior uh, uh, character. Anyway, the the... They basically kind of walk. It's like a walking tour of his his hideout, um, with with him with uh, Malik eventually letting the little girl go. But that's there's there's a there's a point to that too. But I uh, the 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 whole part of that leading up to the big sacrifice at the end all rang faults for me. It, it it just one thing after another. I, mean, I will give you the if you really want. If we're really going into big spoilers because we haven't said it yet, we haven't said it. Um, and are we going to say it now? Good, say it, Rick. Okay. It. So the the twist on Bond finding love at last, and then having the villain make it so that the two lovers can't be together, or she will die, and she and her daughter will die. Um, is evil. It's vile. It's evil. Um, and the whole magic of nanites uh, being something you can never get rid of, uh, I just didn't buy because it, it, we can't get rid of rid of it in a two hour and forty five minute movie. But I don't. I don't know that I'm going to buy that you can't have a project to somehow eradicate the nanites from Bond over the next five years or something and why he just gives up at that point. I, I, I didn't buy it. I, I just, it was just too much of a conveyance where this is the way we were going to end the movie. And he, he was going to force a yeah. final 
farewell yeah. to the character. And, and, and that's what I'm saying is it was, it was ultimately a final sacrifice that he'd never really had to make. Right. And so it was going to force that. But I will agree with you I, that the pacing is off in general. I mean, I walked out there. Another initial reaction walking out was, geez, there was no time to pee. And, you know, the, the, <laughs> and I am tired of films just being this long so they can't because they can be. You know, it, it, it's like, I get it. You want to feel a little more, uh, you know, artistic, whatever. But there also was something to be said for the economy of storytelling. And I know that a lot of Bond films have had their drags. You know, I like I love Thunderball, but Thunderball really felt long to me, well, even watching as a kid. Thunderball no underwater. Long. Well, Dr. No wasn't long. Dr. No is 110 minutes. Uh, Can we do that? But, yeah. but you know. I think I agree with you that this, you know, had a lot of artistic moments in it that maybe it didn't need to have uh, some scenes were lengthened that maybe we didn't need to, but I actually found it the, that it did not feel like a two hour and 43 minute movie. I felt like it went by very quickly. Uh, and you did not have a large uh, Coke zero before. Well, that's, that's because the first time I saw it was a critic screening and they don't have, you know, there's no concessions. So I hadn't had anything to drink or eat and I went through the whole thing uh, fine straight through uh, that's happened two times when I've seen it uh, two other times or three other times I've I've uh, I've had to use facilities in the theater uh, but I will blame two of those times on my son who had to go so all right I, I, I think we need to get you to invent some kind of device to allow this to go you know much smoother and, and so oh, amazon's already invented it it's a snapple bottle you know it's uh, the <laughs> trucker's friend oh no. straps to your leg with a tube okay good yeah thank you okay right. so it's north Alex 40. i i entirely respect your your opinion on the end and how that worked because they did it was a reverse engineered a lot of this movie i think is reverse engineered. They had to get to the point where Bond dies and has to die. So how do we get him here? How do we get this to happen? If you, and this is true, not just of many Bond movies, many of our, our modern pop culture movies, the Marvel universe, these things happen where they have plot points they need to get to and they figure out how do we get our characters here? And it doesn't always make sense. Uh, you know, and, and I think in this case, uh, some people pointed out, well, why does why does Nomi, the, the other 007, why does she leave the island? And I think if they had injured her in some way and Madeline has to get her off the island, yeah, that works for me. Why why doesn't Bond just, just go someplace else on this giant island that isn't getting, you know, why doesn't he go farther down? Uh, right. You know, and I'll say after multiple viewings, and you never want to have to explain a movie after multiple viewings, but... He's he's not doing well at the end. He's been shot three or yeah. four times. Yeah. <laughs> so his chances of living, uh, even if the yeah. missiles didn't get him, were not good to begin with. He's been shot in the back. That he's so, walking around is stunning. I think this is a chance to now to to, to kind of move forward to what would it be? Um, what are they going to do moving forward? Because. I think th these Daniel Craig films absolutely were their own little Bond universe and timeline, even though there are clearly references to other things, which is why I was okay with it. But it was why, you know, because there's a painting of Bernard Lee as M. Um, 
It's actually Robert Brown. Okay. Five times. Five times. Okay. It's Robert Brown. <laughs> okay. From, from Octopussy and the View to a Kill and the Dalton movies. Uh, um, okay. So and I, there's also Judy Dench. But yes, there's clearly references to previous films. To earlier M's, but I didn't mind that they were borrowing so heavily from You Only Live Twice when You Only Live Twice had not happened to this bomb. And, you know, I, I think of it that way. And certainly as we are used to multiverses, is everybody, every film producer in the world now wants to introduce us to multiverses. Uh, and maybe we'll talk about that in a little, uh, a moment or two, but yeah where do they go forward because clearly it's gonna it is gonna start over it's going to be james bond i'm i'm with daniel craig 100 that they need to create new characters like nomi and that's you know that should be where franchises rather than than playing it you know not that I'm, i have any problem with what they've done with doctor who but to say you know let, let's go let's go with something different james bond is a certain kind of thing and i think one of my frustrations with the Craig years is trying to make to they have to change that war horse into being something he's not to make those films palatable for a, a modern audience. Whereas isn't there something more interesting if Nomi's attitude about who James Bond is is right instead of spending this movie apologizing for it. So I know I have some thoughts on where the, the what I'll call the mainline Bond franchise can go, but and there's an interesting idea that we were talking about with this timeline, I guess you could call it, uh, and expanding the universe is what if we catch up with Mathilde in 20 years, mm -hmm. the daughter of James Bond, and that A allows us to reintroduce, yes. reintroduce Nomi, uh, use those some of these characters like Q again with Ben Wishaw. Uh, but and not even you know almost in like a trapper john md kind of way where they don't make a huge reference to her by the way uh fans, fans, this may be the only james bond commentary you hear that compares this to the future to trapper john md okay because john trapper john show in the 80s on cbs uh which was a spin-off of mash which was another television show from the 70s and 80s on cbs but they uh, didn't, your, your other than in the pilot it. episode of Trapper John MD, they did not make multiple mash, MASH references. They didn't have people, guest stars coming in. Oh, I remember you from the Korean War. You know, it was its own thing. So I think it'd be great to have a, a spy movie with Mathilde. And there will be, you could give a lot of hints that, oh, this is, she's the daughter of James Bond. But you don't have to, you know, make it so explicit. This is kind of like the... The, you know, Shang-Chi kind of thing with Fu Manchu. Yeah. And as long yeah. as it's not like the curse of pink of the Pink Panther trying to, uh, which by the way, was with Roger Moore. See, it all comes together. Uh, can I give, can I give an alternate potential? Yes. And mine is based on the way Hollywood works and the way they want to make movie franchises. And that is you take the long look at it the way Harry Potter did when you had the kids in the first film, and you've got young adults in the last. Now, you don't start with a kid, James Bond, but you start with a young adult who's perhaps starting training. And you have you have an actor who can go 20 years into a franchise and continue those films. I'm going to say, honestly, though, Rick, that's kind of what happened with Daniel Craig. 
He was not that young, and and he was no, a field. He's a lot older now. You know, I mean, they always, yeah. I'm saying, they always follow them. So, I mean, they've been. Daniel Craig has a good tenure, um, probably longest. Is when uh, Sal, you'll you'll have it at your fingertips. Casino Royale Bond. came out in what year? Two thousand six. So Daniel Craig is the longest serving Bond with fifteen years. Now, some of that was caused by the pandemic, but you know, because this movie but should have come out last Bond year. It has a beginning to end story right without being a young james bond novel right skyfall i guess kind of you know goes back into the and and means that you couldn't he had to die rather than be sent to a you know a scottish farm upstate because they already did that in skyfall but what i you know we've said before like i would love to see because eon chases trends and and I've seen them quoted seen seen them quoted as saying like the worst thing that happened to the James Bond franchise was Austin Powers, to which I I'd say no. Then you just you never went back and out Austin Powers, Austin Powers. So do it. Give me the '60s, the Johnny Quest style, the the version of Bond that we that as a kid I thought I was watching. You know, it's like watching He Man Revelations. You know. The version you thought, if you were watching Masters of the Universe in eight in in the eighties, and you were a kid, I was sadly not. But if you were a kid, you thought this was great, deathless Shakespearean drama, and that's what this Kevin Smith revival on Netflix has been. And you know, so that's give me that bond that is as over the top as I thought it was. You know, now, I don't think the Broccoli's are going to do this, but but what would you think about if they they did sort of a Man from Uncle thing? the Henry Cavill movie I'm talking about where they actually set it in the fifties or sixties. No, I, absolutely. Yeah. That's what I think they should yeah. do. Because yeah. I, I, as I was also saying is, is I think that bond now as a character, I see so much commentary, including from the people that work on these films that is a, apologetic for who this character is. And I get it because you know what? Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I do get it the way Ian Fleming was probably not somebody that if he was walking around today that I would think that's a cool dude. He, you know, it, it's um, that there is something dark and mean and wrong about James Bond, even when he's being good. You know, he's he's a man of violence. There's no question. Um, so put him back in the 50s and 60s and have that commentary happen there. Rather and than, I think that could be interesting it could open up some some really yeah. cool things to do with gadgets i mean kind of man from uncle did do that where the things that would would look silly now look cool when you put a little 1960s sheen on them uh, and but, lopez joins this prehistoric bond i think bond 1 million bc would be fantastic no time to die dinosaur there we're right no time to dinosaur uh, Actually, though, I got to say, Lon, that that did happen. That was the, a man called Flintstone. Um, yeah, you know, so uh, that that which I, I can't believe that HBO Max has not been showing that, like you know, touting that as their big thing. Of course, I know that it's is Warner Brothers. They may not have any idea they own a film called, a man <laughs> called Flintstone. So, and now he asks, Lon also asked, does anyone remember Jane Bond? And I'm honestly not sure if you're just because it's long. He could just be being funny, or it could be a legit pop culture. Reference. I don't. I don't remember a Jane Bond. No, no. So, 
So he's going to have to tell us. But there's uh, a 1975 film, uh, Jane, uh, secret agent Jane Bond is assigned to break up a heroin smuggling ring operating out of Hong Kong. Oh, it's it's like, oh no. yes, I should have guessed that, uh, that probably caused a lawsuit. Former, former fanboy planet, uh, podcaster Lon Lopez, uh, lifting up the discourse as usual. Uh, okay. so yeah, uh, and it's weird, you know, I mean, he has small children now, but okay, anyway. Uh, it's all right. Like says the guy that wrote a book about Flesh Gordon. Okay, so, but clearly, yeah. clearly Bond's coming back. Uh, it may be a couple of years. And who do we like to come back as Bond now that Craig's done? Well, that's a good, you know, yeah, I want to know that question. Um, I mean, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of names batted around. People keep I talking think... about Tom Hardy. Uh, yeah. People keep talking about, I mean, I think it's, it's, I think we have to get the the Idris Elba or the Idris Elephant out of the out of the way and say it's not going to be Idris Elba because sadly he's too old. He's too old to do four movies over twelve years. Well, you know who I, I who I'd love to see do it. Um, I, I'm not a big Tom Hardy fan, so that's. I mean, I think he's been good in things, but he kind of he kind of bugs me. Henry Golding. Henry I Golding. Would love to see Henry Golding. Uh, because to me that that and I guess maybe that's the the, the problem I, I I have is I even as I said I want that man of violence I do want a bomb that can do you know jump out of an airplane and off the par- parachute and unzip and suddenly be in a tuxedo and look completely unruffled you know or come out of the scuba right thunderball doesn't he come out of the water in a scuba suit and takes that off and he's you know um, goldfinger but yes. Goldfinger. Okay. He's wearing a lot of scuba suits in Thunderball, though, so it's it's reasonable. Okay. You understand? And one has a bow tie. I don't know why, but uh, that, but but I, I I really like Henry Golden, uh, Golding, and so and you know this is interesting. It might be an option. Lon asks, "Is James Bond an actual man or a title?" And the thing is, that is the joke running gag of the yes. 1967 Casino Royale. So it's been done. You yeah, know, that's, it's actually that's the problem. And certainly, so many people, when it was announced that Nomi was going to be 007, freaked out thinking that. And I was annoyed with that kind of freak out. It's like 007 is the title. It's just the code number. Right. You know, that we've just only known James Bond as it, but we've seen other double O's throughout the, the series. And, and, sort and of I think they, they address that so well in the movie. That yeah. He, he didn't have the number, but he was still James Bond, and he was recognized as being the best player on the field. And, you know, I think... Uh, well, I did, and Long suggested we could have Casino Battle Royale. <laughs> oh, Hunger Games, James Bond. That, that'd be, you know, they could do anything. That's the beauty of it. They can do anything they want right now. But they have they a chance won't. to reinvent the series in a way that they hadn't. They didn't even realize they had this chance with Casino Royale. Uh, I mean, they were looking to reboot and do an origin story before they re- anybody really thought about reboots the way they do now. Uh, but, man, they could go in so many directions from this point. I mean, I think Henry Golding's a great idea. Yeah. I don't know how he is in action. Uh, we've seen him. Uh, Lon, you probably saw Snake Eyes. I'm going to call out for that. You know, he was, he was Snake Eyes. 
Yeah, and that was a movie I was very much looking forward to seeing. And then I just never got out of the theater because it was midsummer pandemic. And uh, I've heard it's not much better than any other G.I. Joe film. But I think, you know, again, he's good. Well, Snake um, Eyes has the benefit of having that helmet that covers his whole head. So, uh, But he was a name actor. So yeah, I, know. I think the film is, is a lot of him without it. Um, okay. So, you know, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think the other thing is they can treat it the way that, uh, that Toho Studios treats Godzilla. You know, they have, they have various eras. And this is the mistake. You know, they've, I don't think they've learned from, like, they got, some, they got some good heat from having Sam Mendes work on a film. They've certainly gotten uh, great heat from having Kerry uh, Fukunawa do this one. That, you know, what Toho does is, is they ask a director, well, what's your take? You know, what do you want to do? So, like, all the Godzillas are different. They're not all different. But, but, but a director coming in now can say... I want to work with that original version of Godzilla, or I want to work with that that sillier late '60s, early '70s one, or the Sheen version. You know, and they're doing the same thing with Ultraman. Not that we'll ever see it in the U.S., but you know, they're doing Sheen Ultraman, saying it's reborn. It's just that's it. So let's have a have a, a Sheen uh, a Sheen James Bond. I I don't think that the Broccoli family, and when I say the Broccoli family, it's actually you know Barbara Broccoli, who is Cubby Broccoli's daughter. Yeah. Uh, her stepbrother, Michael G. Wilson, whose dad was the original Batman, Lewis Wilson, in the serials in the oh, 1940s. Ooh, that's good yeah. trivia. I didn't know yeah. that. That I've was his it. dad. I've seen Lewis uh, Wilson. And, uh, and now uh, Michael Wilson's son, Greg Wilson, is getting involved in production. And I think we're going to see him, uh, as his father's getting older, we're going to see Greg moving up a little bit more. So it's really kind of the Broccoli Wilson family. Uh, but I don't think that they are uh, very interested in in going in the direction where they would give up a lot of control <laughs> to to a director. That doesn't seem to be something they've done over the past sixty years. They really like to to keep all the toys and bring someone in and say, "Here's the sandbox. You here are your parameters. You can go this far, but no farther." Which is why someone like Quentin Tarantino. Uh, you know, has yeah. been interested in Bond. Spielberg wanted to do a Bond film in the late seventies and was told nope. Uh, you know, so a lot of our big name directors, I think, it, and I think that's been the issue with Christopher Nolan. His name has floated up and down, and and I don't see it happening just because I think Christopher Nolan will want to make a Christopher Nolan movie, and and I don't think the Broccoli's well, want that. And it's the thing is, Christopher Nolan now has made uh, essentially two. Bond yeah, I mean, Tenet, Tenet was a Bond movie. Tenet was a Bond movie. And, yeah. you know, Lon asks, is the spy genre tapped with franchises like Kingsman and Bourne? Both of which are responses to Bond. And and to me, the Daniel Craig uh, Bond films have been following the Bourne. You know, like, mm -hmm. it, it became, especially when you got into Casino Royale and you had that magnificent parkour sequence, that That's was trying to, to one-up uh, the Bourne franchise, and both, both of those franchises have their own uh, tempo to it. Outside of Bond, is a template. You drop Bond in a movie, you find a villain, you find a locale, and that's you do you do a movie. And Kingsman and Bourne both have distinctly different um, attitudes towards how they do their storytelling. Well, I would, I sure, would say but they Kingsman they come from the tree of Bond. 
Kingston sure. was in response to Bond. I mean, that was Mark. That's Mark Miller's take on Bond. So when you say, you know, Spielberg wanted to do Bond in the seventies, and it, because he couldn't, we got Indiana Jones. Right. At this point, it's almost like must there be a Superman? Must there be a James Bond? Is it done? I mean, they'll still try to make a movie, but is it done? And instead, I'd rather see people create something new as a result. I was not a huge fan of Tenet, but I, I, I liked Inception well enough, which was kind of Bondy in some in a lot of places. Um, certainly, like Raiders of Lost Ark, as a result of oh, you didn't get to do to do James Bond, you know. Let's this do that. Is what you, this is what you did. The culture was was enriched by that refusal to play. But the but the broccolis don't see that that's you know. I mean, but asking you know, must there be a James Bond is almost like asking. Sadly, you know, like must there be plastic? Because Bond films are going on. You know, next year it'll be sixty years. We we don't have a pop culture that exists, a modern pop culture that exists without the Bond films. I mean, Lon's question about is the spy genre tapped out? It's like people were asking that in nineteen sixty seven. And, you know, clearly the answer, you know, 45 years later is, well, no, not yet. We're still working on this. No Time to Die worldwide is the number two non-Chinese released film in the world. It's made over $700 million. And it's going to pass. And number number one is F9. Yes. And it's going to pass F9 next week. And it'll be the number one Hollywood film in the world this year. So they're not going to stop making these. Uh, you know, it's, it, it does not, it did not reach, uh, Skyfall levels or Spectre levels at the box office, but we're looking at a depressed box office. I think it's doing a lot better internationally than anybody expected to the U S the North American numbers are not great. Uh, you know, it could be the, the audience skew that you mentioned. It could be COVID issues in some places uh and, and, and marvel took their most james bond like character and made him a superhero uh you know shang chi and and that did really well and then you hit you know and marvel made it made a bond movie this year too or at least released one this year they'd already made it with black, yeah, widow. black widow yeah mm-hmm. which was which was good it was fun um and so i do have to ask that as we get if we can switch to to marvel just a moment mm-hmm. um Rick, did you see Eternals? Yes. Sal, did you see Eternals? Not yet. It's on my list. Got to see it with the kids. But I'm okay. I'm okay with spoilers. I've I've read enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, it, it really was the post credit thing where they oh, announced yeah. uh, James Gunn had announced the casting of uh, of an actor for Adam Warlock that I recall a young uh, innocent Rick Brettschneider saying. Uh, Right, typing a bunch of squares across the, the my Facebook screen. It was horrible. And when someone asked why, and he said, because I think I think he'd make a better Pip the Troll. And then, so I've been dying to say, ask Rick, like, I think they cast a better Pip the Troll, but they ran out of special effects budget before they put him on screen. So, yeah, I I had so much fun explaining my family what that sequence was about. Um. But yeah, yeah I, I was I was pleased with it. I mean, yeah, they they didn't. You don't need to sh- throw a lot of money at those post credit sequences, really. To... And, and by the way, Rosal, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. 
it was so clearly like what? Uh, okay. This, this no, is that, that was definitely that was that was definitely made to make more people scratch their heads than the, than the Thanos reveal. Yeah. <laughs> this is the danger of me having watched No Time to Die five times. Uh, my daughter Mia, who is in a big Marvel phase right now, reminds me every week we haven't seen Eternals yet, and you're going oh. to see No Time to Die again. I'm like, yeah. Well, I am going to agree with Lon. I do think that the guy, and I'm, I'm sorry that I'm not remembering the actor's name, uh, but as uh, my wife, my darling wife, looked at a photo of him and went, "Oh, he's had a glow up." So, you know, he's now like close to 30 and good looking. Yeah, uh, he's, he always was. he's but, one of the kids from, um, oh God, it was that movie about the, the labyrinth. Um, the Maze the, Runner. He was in the Maze, Maze Runner, Runner and right. he was in uh, long, long ago, Son of Rambo was his, his film debut. Uh, so when he was like 11. Um, so yeah, and, and he was almost Pennywise. And that was another one where when Kerry Fukunawa was going to be the director of It, uh, that's who he had cast as as Pennywise, and then that fell apart and he left. So um, interesting actor there. And he is Adam Warlock in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and uh, not, uh, you know, and not Fifth Patrol. Will Poulter. Will Poulter, yeah. He's a good actor. He's a good actor. Yeah, he's... Um, um, I think I'm seeing him in, I think he's in Dope Sick. Uh, yes, yes, he is yes. in Dope Sick, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're watching that right now. So, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so, but the other thing is this week uh, was released the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Oh, which, we did watch which, that. Uh, reversed. I, 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 I don't think it's a spoiler when I say, like, I have this theory after all the fan speculation that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are uh, are in it um you know and and andrew garfield's giving more interviews saying he's not in spider-man no way home than he's given interviews on any other project including amazing spider-man one and two what's his budget um, for that tour <laughs> um and, and i think the the thing is I, I think he's right he he didn't shoot any new scenes for it i don't think toby mcguire shot any new scenes for it I think the Sinister Six are going to be just reinserted into their timelines and they're going to show them. They could do it like Back back to the Future where they just cut him into the scenes where they're already in the... the Or or like a Five Doctors thing with Tom Baker. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I know that there are are certain rules against it because because, uh, of uh, Crispin Glover in Back to the Future 2 and 3, which he's not actually in. So they had a prosthetic face made and put it on another actor and hung him upside down in two and three. And, and people thought that it was Crispin Glover. So, and yes, Lon says he's promoting a couple of other flicks, but you know, Lon, I, you might remember jokes. Uh, that was a joke about Andrew Garfield giving every interview about promoting other movies has been somebody's asked him, are you in, in Spider-Man No Way Home? So um, yeah, Spider-Man, uh, it's interesting because I thought I was suspecting that he was going to go tumbling throughout the multiverse instead of the, the other multiverse way. is tumbling onto tumbling him. Yeah, I think that's much more the theme. And mm-hmm. I was I was surprised, you know, obviously Doc Ock and, and Green Goblin that we'd sort of been prepared for. Uh, I was surprised to see Sandman and Lizard show up in that uh, that trailer. 
And, um, and more importantly, Electro, Jamie Foxx, has been upgraded to actually look like Electro. <laughs> and I thought that was awesome. But it, it, it is interesting because I, I do think that, like, uh, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange looks... He's, he's, this is another film where they're going to say, no, that's really Mephisto. Uh, you know, so... Yeah. Uh, uh, he looks too. He looks too well shaven. Too well groomed. He, he looks well groomed, but and conversely, the wig is not good. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it's just kind of. But I, I've seen some complaints about this. I realize they're not making Spider-Man movies. They're making Marvel team-up movies, and so yeah. people who want just to, which I'm okay with because yeah. I have five. Well, four and a half decent Spider-Man movies before. You know, I'm I, I'm not really a fan of Spider-Man three, but some of it was good. Um, you know, so and maybe if you take that some of it and add two or three minutes from Venom, and and hopefully we'll have five good minutes out of Morbius, and, and that can make that can make five good. Uh, that that we're you know seeing that, but. Um, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it, it's just interesting to go like yeah, we're not. We're, we're never going to see that solo Spider-Man film. Long well, what do you think about MJ falling off a high thing again? I mean... Are, well, the we lesson just... here is absolutely do not fall in love with Peter Parker because you are destined to fall off a high... Like, don't go web-swinging with him. Peter, what's wrong with a nice walk through the park? Ha! Yeah. Hold her hand on the ground. Well, I uh, love the yeah. shot. There's a shot where they're swinging together. She's going, ah! And her hair is all in his face. Yeah. And does it bum anyone else that we're denied an MCU version of these returning spider villains? And I, I'd say my response is, is it doesn't mean we're denied them. Like Tom Holland's given this, Tom Holland is not prepared for someone like me who's remembered every press snippet that has been said about his career here. And he's like, this is the end of the trilogy and everybody's going, oh my God, Tom Holland's leaving it. But Kevin Feige has said, that Spider-Man is three trilogies. It's the high school student, you wait a few years, then it's the college student, and then you show, you know, so you've got three distinct eras in Peter Parker's life, yeah. which is how it's been in the comics, right? You Maybe they'll do it like The Crown, and we'll get three different uh, actors. And if we do, we do. Uh, yeah. You know, um, if Matt Smith shows up as Peter Parker as an adult, okay. Um, uh no, because he's going to be a villain in Morbius. So that's, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just because... The thing is, we've seen two Green Goblins. We've seen two Harry Osborns become Green Goblin. We've we've seen two Norman Osborns. And if there had been an amazing Spider-Man 3, you would have seen that Norman Osborn become the Green Goblin as well. Um, we've already seen... Actually, technically, we've kind of seen the MCU version of Doc Ock in Into the Spider-Verse, and it's Catherine Hahn. Um, we've just seen the animated version. Yeah. Um, so, Speaking I, of which, I'm going to be very disappointed if in the post-credit scenes for this movie, or even in the pre-credit scenes for this movie, we don't get an introduction to Miles Morales. Because I think it's time. Oh, I, I would I would agree with you that that, that needs to be uh, Miles needs to go in. I mean, well, they have already uh, Donald Glover played his uncle in in the first Spider-Man movie uh, or in Spider-Man Homecoming. 
by right? name. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that's been, and, and it's interesting. Uh, Michael Keaton was on Jimmy Kimmel this week and said, and they said, you know, are you doing anything for the MCU? And he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm filming some vulture stuff this week. And it was like, so <laughs> casual. <laughs> you know, but, is, dude, is bat, the dude is Batman. Being vulture doesn't phase him at all. <laughs> Well, and, and I think the other thing this trailer does, which is which has been established, is that Tom Holland clearly does not look like the other two actors that played Peter Parker, mm -hmm. and and so the multiverse, every actor, every version looks different. Just you know, so few people paid attention after the DC fandom when the the Flash trailer came out with Michael Keaton, mm -hmm. and. You know, everybody everybody was paying attention to Robert Pattinson as the Batman. I'm like, no, the Michael Keaton one you really want to see, it, yeah. you know, it appeared too. And so you can have those two to look for, and then you can have Ben Affleck in there on the flat on the WB's uh, version of the CW. Sorry, why would I say the WB? The CW's right. version, Crisis on Infinite Earths, had established that the guy on the main Earth that looks like the Atom. That is the Adam looks like Superman on another Earth, and he looks like right. Tom Welling on another Earth, and you know, so it, it we can see all kinds of things. So again, I, I will circle back to Lon's question. I don't, I don't think we're not going to see a Doc Ock. I don't, uh, you know, that we can't see our own version of it. Although, as he points out, they want to have their own uh, Spider characters, and that that is true. But you know, look, so how how much longer do you think it is before Disney buys Sony uh, Studio outright? You know, all the so. They're going to get Spider-Man back 100%. And I will say in the next eight years. Eight years. So, yeah. I, I oh, think... I, I'll take the under on that. I'll take the under on that. Okay. Disney, you know, we'll, we'll talk again in eight You're years. You're a bigger risk taker than I am, so. Well, you know, Disney, I, I, I didn't think Disney was going to buy 20th see. Century Fox. And that once they did that, I said, well, they've got no reason not to just keep buying things until the government says stop. Well, and I, and I said the story that everybody missed in that, I know it's the, you know, it's the behind the scenes stuff, is that the, only, the reason Disney was able to buy Fox was because the Fox uh, empire did not see a way to make mo money on making movies anymore. If, if they thought there was money to be made, they'd have kept it. You know, so, I mean, and, and we're seeing that. That's the other big story of the week. Uh, you know, Disney's streaming is cheap. Once you've gotten every child to scream at their parents and subscribe to Disney Plus, and there are no more children to subscribe, uh, what do you, you know, you can't grow. So they're. Make more children. Make more children. <laughs> well, then, for God's sake, turn off Disney Plus. <laughs> Disney just needs to open a different division for there these you go. Make more children uh, project. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, we're not talking oh. about cloning either. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. No. Are we I, back to Lon's movie? But I might be talking about a streaming service. So anyway. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's. I mean, that's the thing. Everything is is buckled down to streaming services, and that changes. We're just watching this entire, the whole model shifting, and well, who knows? And bringing it back to to Bond, you know, we don't know what's going to happen if Amazon actually ends up buying MGM. That, that sale's been mm. kind of stalled for a while, but you know that could have a big effect on whether we see some of these offshoot bond properties happen. Because uh, I know. think who has more control, I mean, 
when an actual Bond villain buys Bond, you're going to see the streaming, <laughs> the streaming services. And for all the problems I have with with all these conglomerates, Jeff Bezos is legitimately a nerd. I mean, you know, that he believes in genre entertainment. And he's he's a Bond fa fan, even if he doesn't understand his own position in that universe. And so, Elon Musk is more of a Bond villain, I think. Uh, and I think he likes that role. I mean, he has done a oh, lot yeah. of social media. You know, he's posed with a cat. Oh, good piece of trivia. After five viewings, this is the only appearance of Blofeld in any filmed entertainment where there is not a white cat. There are cats in this movie. There, there are Q's hairless cats. But there is no white cat. Wow. Or is that a signal that Q is actually all along? But it would it would just been nice if, if they would have had the cat in the prison cell with Blofeld. He was like, well, they let me have my cat. All right. Or if the cat had the bionic eye. Okay, and we're we're over an hour, so I appreciate that. Lon has a trivia question. Can you answer this? Has Sal, have you seen Steve Martin's Bond parody on SNL? And can you name the fake movie? I bet I saw it and I can't remember the name of the movie. Lon, I'm gonna guess. But I, I think it I think it's a takeoff on Octopussy, if I recall. I remember I, I remember uh a, the because there was uh the villain was Sting was the musical guest, the villain was so was named Goldsting. And uh I believe that it was called Scotsman's Holiday. But I'm not sure. <laughs> so, Lon, do you do you have the answer? Because now we're dying to know. But now now Lon's giving me something to do. I thought a Scotsman's Holiday was made with rum and, and scotch and cherry sauce. That's that's a breach. What about a French stuff? exit? Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I'm having a Vesper. Oh, by the way, Lon doesn't actually know. He says, I think it's called Bullets Aren't Cheap, which okay. may be true. I remember the gag was that, of course, Bond being Scottish is actually very penurious Frugal. when he's on his own budget. And so it's like... He's it's, bad, he's the name bad. of the movie is Bullets Aren't Cheap. You did find and, it. Okay. Uh, yeah. What year was that? Uh, 2013, I think. Okay. That recent. Wow. I, I would I would have seen it then. Yeah. Oh wait a minute. No, aired uh eighty seven. Eighty seven. Okay. Oh, way, way back when. Yeah, yeah. So I might not have seen that. I that, just that remember was... him playing like like blackjack or uh you know uh it's a, like a very low stakes game when it's up to when it's yeah. on his own, like playing the penny slots and Agent James Bond, Steve Martin, takes a holiday on his own dime. When expenses aren't covered, Bond is a total cheap stake, even when gambling against the evil gold sting. Yep, I remembered it. Okay. Now I'm going to have to look it up. Really yeah. Yeah. So, all right, Sal, I want to uh, say thank you for joining us tonight and talking uh, James Bond. And, and uh, you know, James Bond will return, so Sal Pizarro should too. And, but, you know, I, I can I can talk about other things, so I'm happy to so come back right. whenever Sooner, you guys want me to. Sooner than James should... Bond returns, Sal Pizarro will. So. We should do a, a show which is just um, mixology for uh, comic, book fan, comic book fans. Okay. That we would can be a very that interesting show. I think we have to produce that a little more. And it's not. It's oh, totally. To, for, and for here. I, I think that I, would be interesting 
Uh, I think I that gets done on site somewhere. That's and a, that's... Cinequest is coming back in March for an in-person so event. So they oh, say, really? I, it's what I've heard. I've seen some, uh, not not from them. Uh, I hope they're not uh, looking. Say, I have uh, seen a couple of uh, of entries. Yeah, and uh, so. Um, I know they're planning it. I just don't know if it's going to happen. You know, but, but honestly, you know, it's not to be live disappointing anybody. I don't know that I can return to San Jose for, for CineQuest. You know, it's easy to say when I lived there and be there for two weeks. I don't know that I could do two weeks, uh, you know, there. Unless, unless Sal, you have a basement, right? I can, I can I, stay. I've got, a, I've got a basement and we have hotels here. Yeah, there are hotels. I'm sorry, it would be a Scotsman's holiday for me. The name is McCaw, Derek McCaw, and uh, <laughs> on my own dime, uh, because Fanboy Planet's dime is my, or rather, my dime is what goes into Fanboy Planet. So I, you know, the Fanboy Planet I know can't afford. So. <laughs> what about those sweet dimes that come from Amazon? <laughs> oh, that dimes? That's yeah. sweet, sweet Bezos money. Uh, that sweet, sweet Bezos money. He's got it all, baby. That's the truth. So uh, thank you for reminding that. If there's anything in the James Bond catalog that you wish to purchase uh, through an Amazon link, we oh, are. Oh, 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 oh. Did you guys see that they're reissuing the attache case? Yes. I meant to ask you because you complained that there was no gun camera. There, right? there was. They replaced the gun with a camera. It it had it had a version of the gun from from Russia with love, originally, and they've gotten rid of all the guns in there and the knife. Um, there's gold coins, which I guess you could hit somebody with, um, and uh, there's the decoders, which I loved the decoder because it had a it had a shift uh, for the for the decryption code, and there's the uh, there's the passport uh, wallet that I'm sure has a little red. Um, gel in the corner that when you put the yeah. James Bond you put the James Bond calling cards in there the 007 disappears until you pull it out and then it shows double double so let me which... ask you an honest question uh, yes I saw you post about this and 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 so you complain about the replacements which I'm with you I'm mean, like if you're gonna because first of all what kid is going to afford that that yeah. kid and be led astray yeah. by but you know like oh into a life of violence and crime uh, but what surprised me about that post is, uh, I've been in the Brett cave. If I, if I show the full, uh, you know, pit here, people can see many things behind Rick in the Brett cave of all Two, these maybe 5% there. That's not even 5%, uh, Sal, because there's a, there's a, there's an ancillary, there's a Brett garage. I've been out there. I know there's a Brett storage space somewhere. There's a Brett Tough Shed too. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I haven't been been there since you installed the Brett Tough Shed. But knowing that, and uh, that you are both a gentleman of leisure and and not to call you up, but you know you've got some spending money. Um, you know, why have you not gone back and gotten the original kit? Uh, I've never found one intact. The the oh. uh, they're really hard to come by. Most collectors aren't giving theirs up. The only ones you can find typically are broken, either in the case, in the um, in the closures, and or they're 
they're shattered inside and they're usually missing parts. And so if you're going to do that, typically people who get them nowadays buy multiples of these broken kits and then fit and then complete it one out of all that. And then they sell off their broken bits to somebody else uh, or their, their non broken bits to somebody else. So it's really hard. It's really difficult to do that. And I had one as a kid, you know, I, I, I enjoyed, enjoyed the hell out of it. Okay. You did. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I, I, I'd be, I'd be really hard. Whatever I was able to get right now, I'd be uh, eventually unsatisfied with. Yeah, no, no, that's very. I, I, I'm just, you know, from the collector's point of view, is, is uh, maybe people who follow the Instagram account is I've unpacked some of my old, old collectibles that haven't been on display in 30 or so years because I haven't had a place to put them. One, the shape is terrible. You're right, and and, and a lot of it is for me as a collector, it is sentimental. So I, you know, it's like I wouldn't replace uh, this beat up book because, well, I know where I got it and I know what it meant at the time. Uh, so, you know, I was just curious because, you know, I Bond fandom was something I came to late. So I certainly was was too young to be aware of any of the toys. But I'll give, you, of- I'll give you another example, like before the show. And I'm, I'm not going to this is an unpaid advertisement. I was in Portland at Billy Galaxy. And right. uh, and they had some amazing toys there. And I was very tempted that every time I found one, they had five beautiful major Matt Masons. I don't have any. I had those as a kid. They eventually I got all got broken and thrown away. But every one of them, the thing about Major Matt Mason, he was a posable rubber doll spaceman with a helmet. But if he was well loved, his arms would the wire inside his arms would eventually break. And so he'd just flap around and they were all in that state. So Oh, I mean I have a I have a really broken Major Matt Mason. I have the case. You know that that collector's case that they, uh, were, they were shoddily made toys. Let's be honest; they were inexpensive too. Yeah, I I found my Callisto, um, oh, and nice. I I have and I have the I don't know what his name was, but the red the one that's who's Scorpio. Red. No, 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 not Scorpio was an alien. Oh, uh, you're talking about uh, he's the black black uh, astronaut in red. No, he's not. I I don't have one in black. There might have been. Okay. I have to find the big little book as I was, you know, as I know where now my all my big little books are. There's a major Matt Mason big little book, and I will uh, yeah. see if they if they name those. But anyway, let's get back onto the. We were going to leave. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were, we were uh, this so, close. So thank you. I well, you know, then Rick had to talk about toys. No, maybe talk. It's always my favorite book? part. That's your favorite part. Talking about toys. It is not being able to end. I I don't have uh you know I have some collectibles here uh superhero stuff a lot of action figures from over the past thirty years uh Bond stuff is mostly books uh you know I've got some uh posters and things like that uh but but I love I love going into the Brett Cave I I it's been far too long since I've been there and I'm always I love exploring in there when I can so all right. See, that's like a flux capacitor. This is gigawatt. It's a gigawatt and a transformer. This is, this is the transformer they just did, uh, which mashes up transformers and Back to the Future. Oh, it transforms into a into a uh, uh, the aluminum. 
so we'll have long, we'll we'll have Sal back on, in which we just show our cool toys, and uh, you know, just say, can you have that? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, if you if if you can find uh, a, a James Bond attaché case on Amazon, uh, you can purchase through, and we would get a small uh, bounty from that. As well, of course, again, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. Follow us on Facebook, and thank you to those who have watched and joined us through this live uh, podcast, which will still be up on Facebook and up on the YouTube channel, and then later this week up on up on Fanboy Planet itself. So, you know, thank you for tuning in. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. I'm Rick Brett Snyder. And, and I'm Sal Pizarro. That's right. Can we do this all in unison? Ready? Because it's live. Reminding you to to use use your power for good. It's like swimming in molasses. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.